0: Welcome to Assurance in Action, the podcast for your total quality assurance provider, Intertech. Today, our topic uh, will be sustainability in the fashion industry. Joining us is uh, Catherine Beer, who is uh, Senior Director for Supply Chain Assurance for Intertech's Business Assurance Group. Catherine, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Thank you, Seth.
0: Great. So uh, to start it off, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. So what is your experience uh, in the industry and what do you do with Intertech?
1: Um, Yeah, so I've always been passionate about ethical supply chains um, right from the start when I was focusing on the topic during my master's thesis. So my first job was with a uh, corporate social responsibility not for profit in the UK called Business in the Community. Now, they exist to help companies work on their CSR strategy and help put it into action with a number of um, programs that they offer. And I was always particularly interested in the ethical supply chain um, part of that business. So when I got the chance 10 years ago to come and work here at Intertech in the supply chain and sustainability department, I was absolutely delighted. Um, I've had a few roles, to say the least, (laughs) in my time with Intertech, but always focusing in the supply chain risk management space. I started totally dedicated on the audit side, which was mostly focused on the ethical, social compliance activities. And I took a few lead auditor training courses, which was always extremely important as part of our training here at Intertech. And then I would always do a few audits each year to stay connected um, and get the on the ground experience, so to speak. Um, I've held business development and key account management roles, which I love, Um, as without a doubt, those are the ones that help you hear firsthand what the customers are experiencing, what their challenges and opportunities are. Um, and I also then moved into to work on operations side, uh, managing our Europe, Middle East, Africa region for a period of time. And then more recently uh, leading some of our supply chain management innovation projects. So so quite a nice um uh, foot in a number of different departments but the most important thing I, I guess I've gained from all of these roles is the understanding of just how complex supply chains are how not one customer is the same and how playing a reactive compliance role is just not good enough anymore which is why I absolutely love working in this industry.
0: Great uh, thanks so Ethical fashion is a trending issue in the global marketplace with multiple incidents and news stories being reported uh even over the last couple of weeks um as someone who's hands on in the industry every day, what do you see uh as uh as the trending topics in this space?
1: Yeah, very topical indeed. And, you know, I would say whether it's a documentary or a TV ad or a bad news story, you're right. It's just constantly in the public sight at the moment. I was actually watching uh, one of the H&M new ads the other day where they are really pushing the point around sustainable fashion, which, given the nature of their clothing being low cost and therefore I guess, seen by some as a dispensable fashion. And it's a really interesting journey they're taking. But I think a very important one and an important message they're getting across. Um, In in terms of trending topics, um, you know, there's many and some aren't necessarily new, but I would say remain very relevant as we all try and tackle them. Just sticking on the not so new ones for a second, Uh, for example, we continually are dealing uh, and helping our customers with fire safety, discrimination and subcontracting issues, which, you know, those topics have been around for some time. Um, so if you don't mind, I'd like to just touch on a couple of those first, because I think it's important um, as to why they're still trending um, as, as something that uh, the fashion industry is having to address. Let's look at unauthorized subcontracting, which is a major problem in the fashion industry. Um, given the nature um, of some of the intricate designs and details that are put on clothing. When we see new legislation, um, you know, starting right back from the Californian Transparency Act, followed through with the UK Modern Slavery Act, and we now see similar ones that have come up in France and Australia and and Netherlands, etc., that is forcing companies to explore their supply chains further and um, to find such activities which could lead on to other issues. But when you find subcontracting, well, what do they do? Um, how can they control the cost but force suppliers to keep such activity in their factory? Um, and those are challenges that uh is very very difficult to address but needs to be addressed because I mean as I've just mentioned they're legally being forced to actually commenting on such activities but we know those activities need to be dealt with because of the nature of the issues that come from there like health and safety related issues, wages and working hours, etc. Fire safety, um, you know I guess Sometimes we can forget about this topic as it's been quite some years since the Rana Plaza disaster. But I literally can hear about another factory fire nearly weekly, whether it's a news article, a customer report or details within our audits. And I think especially when we see um, the fashion industry looking at how they shift their supply base and how they find new sourcing regions, uh, places like ethiopia more expansion into you know vietnam and cambodia and and um, even parts of africa that brings those concerns around fire safety again because a lot of those governments just like we were dealing with the same issues in, in bangladesh a lot of those governments don't have the strictest laws around building requirements and hence the fashion industry is nearly going back to scratch again on how to deal with that And newer topics uh, that we're focusing on more include, you know, broad topics like gender issues and forced labor. So on the gender issue side, um, you know, it's a reoccurring hot topic in the the, the garment industry with the majority of workers um, actually being, uh, you know, predominantly women. And I was reading another disturbing report about sexual harassment at a factory in Lesotho in Africa, making clothes for a couple of well-known U.S. brands. Now, these women were being forced into sexual activity with managers um, or supervisors, um, essentially for job security. So just thinking about that for a second, how do you really go about tackling such issues when ultimately those women do not want to talk because they're more concerned about keeping their jobs? Now, the nature of of the topic is sensitive, and you know, in, in some countries, it's, it's even a general practice as to how some the way some women are actually um, you know dealt with culturally within society. So, h- how can a fashion industry start to change cultures in you know in a country? And I think that's something that um, is very prevalent as to how that's that's tackled, not just on a issue by issue found, you know occurrence but how you actually go about changing a culture how you go about changing the the mindset of those factory owners etc now in this particular case one of the brands actually all of the brands are going to stay with that factory and a couple others that are linked to this taiwanese owner in question and they're working on tackling those problems um but but it's a major topic and a very sensitive and difficult one to address the forced labor topic um you know has many areas to it as well but one you know i want to call out is the recent focus back on uh, cotton industry again we've seen a group of campaigners trying to eradicate child and forced labor in cotton production in central asia And they've outlined a series of recommendations to end what it calls state-sponsored forced labor in Uzbekistan's cotton sector. Now, this group has done much research into the topic and are working with a number of brands to improve the conditions with the workers. Um, A lot of remediation work long-term strategies to actually change and also to to focus at a government level on those changes but really just to keep the spotlight on the topic so that it's not something that can just creep in and reoccur again you know another one um that we see in china's Xinjiang region where over 80 percent of the country's um cotton comes from now this is an extremely sensitive topic for anybody who, who's been involved in this. Um, but the issue is they are ultimately using prison labour camps to do the work. Now, you know, China has been using a number of methods to conceal the identity of these camps, including changing their names, disguising them as schools and trading companies and creating ultimately layers of complex ownership structures. And when you've got such a sensitive topic, that's very um, politically, uh, you know, sensitive, it's even harder to try to work on those remediation actions. Um, You know, ultimately, there is limitations as to what can be done at the government level there. And and that's not something that can be taken easy. So what is it that actually the brands and and retailers can do? You know, what's the solution? Do they stop buying cotton from there? Um, you know potentially very um topical you know we usually always in the industry in general advocate the point not to walk away but to help towards improving um so so stopping doesn't necessarily stop the problem but it won't stop the problem so how do the brands work on these topics and i think this is where we're seeing a lot of collective efforts are definitely the way to tackle um problems like that and i think it needs to be just a, a a joint influence joint budgets and working towards getting the transparency and understanding specifically the problem um, so that that can be better focused and remediation plans aren't just a sticky plaster um, on the top and i guess within intertech's own audit data what it's telling us um, with all of these topics um, but if we specifically think of forced labor and, and gender related incidents, is that they are growing. Now, of course, as topics come to light, then, of course, the focus on the audit and the training to the auditors to identify such issues also increase. But statistically, even taking that into account, we still are seeing an increase in those topics being reported. Also, when we look at our self-assessment questionnaire data, which um You know saqs are increasing due to the nature of going further into the supply chain and further across the supply chain what we're seeing you know at these these sub supplier levels is that we're essentially seeing a complete lack of knowledge um you know either few or no policies and processes in place to manage those topics with the suppliers so again very deep rooted topics that really require going deep into the supply chain and collective remediation programs to really try to make a dent in what is essentially very complex topics.
0: Great. So what is the industry doing to prevent, uh, issues within the fashion supply chain?
1: Yeah. So, you know, obviously those were very brief examples. I just, um, touched upon about what some brands are doing as next steps. But if we look more broadly, um, as you've said, at how the fashion industry as a whole is tackling the issues, um, I think let's take a look at what some of the industry working groups um, are doing. And I think there's some really good examples of collaborative action taking place. Now, there literally are hundreds of such campaigns and industry working groups that exist out there. And I'm keen just to focus on a couple um of those which which i've uh you know been more involved in or or had the pleasure of hearing more um details as to what our customers are doing so let's start with the sustainable parallel coalition um so this is a san francisco based um operation that came into effect in 2010 and the coalition has now uh uh grown in size to cover over 220 Institutions across the industry, um, which include retailers and brands, suppliers, trade associations and and non-profits. Key to the group's success um, is the Higg index, which is a standardized supply chain measurement um, suite of tools, which is used to evaluate the whole industry on a unified set of uh, standards. Now, working with the likes of Caring and LVMH, uh, the CFDA and and Nordstrom, um, you know, just to name a few, um, the Sustainable Power Coalition collaborates with industry leaders to address inefficiencies, uh, resolving damaging practices, and working to achieve the environmental and social transparency that consumers are demanding. Um, Just a, a slight quote there from their website at the end. Now, we see that many of the brands and retailers, it's helping them to move to these new auditing protocols, which I guess is, in effect, helping us to reduce audit fatigue, which we know continues to be a big issue in the industry. But more importantly, it's allowing everyone to be aligned on an approach, which, um, you know, is still something that's fragmented today as everybody tends to have their own viewpoints on how to tackle this. Uh, The fashion revolution, um, I think, is another one worth mentioning in terms of, um, you know, it it launched in response to the Rana Plaza factory tragedy in 2013. And it's become, you know, a global NGO made up of, my goodness, designers, academics, writers, business leaders, policymakers, brands, retailers, um, you know, I could go on, um, who are working to ensure transparency along the supply chain of fashion brands. And what they do, um, which I think is great from a media perspective, is in each uh, year in April, the group hosts the Fashion Revolution Week and the hashtag Who Made My Clothes campaign, which essentially uses social media to petition fashion brands in providing supply chain information to consumers. So around the world, fashion shows, discussions, rallies are held in that week, um, essentially to commemorate um, the over 1000 victims um that were, were a, a tragedy a result of that tragedy, but it's to empower consumers to consider their consumption habits and demand transparency from their favorite labels. So I think that helps just bring, keep it at the fore of our minds and continue to drive the point. So I guess moving then. OK, that's pushing them. But, but how do we help them? So I think another one that's really good is the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. Um the circular economy is the focus essentially of, of this foundation. Um, now it's around about advocating for regenerative and restorative design. Uh, you know, ultimately the circular economy requires um, systematic innovation to reduce waste in the fashion industry. Um, the foundation works with businesses and governments and creates educational material and analysis um and it's also uh launched um lots of different initiatives like the Make fashion circular um which you know has, has seen it working with people like burberry stella mccartney gap h&m etc um and i think you know just to quote what macarthur said we need a circular economy for fashion in which clothes are kept at their highest value and designed from the outset to never end up as waste and i think that's the biggest challenge that that is facing the fashion industry today and then one final one i think that i'd like to just call out is the united nations um, alliance for sustainable fashion so this is an initiative um, of the un agencies and allied organizations designed to contribute to the sustainable development goals through coordinated um, action specifically for the fashion sector and i think this is really relevant because a lot of people now will report their sustainability and ethical practices according to the different sdg goals so um the scope of the Alliance's work extends from the production of raw materials and the manufacturing of the garments and um, also accessories and footwear and um, to their distribution, consumption and disposal. So I think that's really helpful because, you know, sustainability enc- encompasses, you know, everything from social issues such as improvements in worker conditions and remuneration for workers, as well as environmental ones, including the reduction of the industry's waste stream and decreases in water pollution and contributions to greenhouse gas emissions. So through the alliance, um, the UN ultimately commits to changing the path of fashion and reducing its negative environmental and social impacts. So with many customers working with these groups. You know, I I called out just a couple there, um, but there are many more. In fact, I would nearly argue there's so many of these initiatives, sometimes it can be a bit confusing for brands to know which ones to focus on. But, but I was just calling out a few there to let you see, you know, from from media driven ones to more research based to practical alignment initiatives to on the ground remediation practices. And um, there's a lot there that can help uh, the fashion industry work collaboratively on this.
0: Awesome, so do you think that uh, consumers and their opinion are changing ethical approaches in the fashion industry, um, their behaviours and their uh, buying patterns, etc?
1: Um, you know, it's a good question. Um, I would say it is, but it's not the main driver. Uh, I, I was reading, I just took a few notes down uh, in prep for this, and and I was reading some research by the Common Objective uh, organization around uh, Google searches for sustainable fashion. And they're saying that, you know, the term sustainable fashion, uh, those searches have grown by 46 percent and the ethical fashion by 25 percent in the past six years. Um, another one was interesting stats. In 2016, Morgan Stanley surveyed a thousand customers in the UK. Um, regarding their views on leading clothing retailers now fifty one percent of respondents said that ethical credentials were somewhat or very important when deciding among um, you know which apparel retailers to choose from. The same study also found that sixty two percent of respondents valued good ethics as a key spending uh, criterion. I mean good ethics did land in the middle of a list of 12 factors so good value for money not surprisingly was first at 84 percent so i still feel that brands and retailers are going to have to remain focused on price and i think you know that's just a reality given the challenging trading time that we are in and you know across the globe we see it's very difficult for retailers and brands or for many of them but of course You know, uh, consumers remaining interested in ethical practices will will ultimately continue to drive the trade, the change. And, you know, those companies that truly want to have sustainably ethical driven businesses, they won't do it just because of consumers, but because they get that it's the right thing to do. And it's the only way to make a sustainable future for the fashion industry. So I'd say given. The stats, do we really see an impact on the way consumers spend? Um, We're starting to, I would say. Um, And I think, you know, I guess a few, you know, final comments from me in this. Um, I'm not sure if many of you have watched the 2015 documentary, The True Cost, which highlighted several of the gruesome aspects of um, what we would refer to as the, the fast fashion industry. Now, it delved into the lives of low wage workers in developing countries. And, and one um, worker uh, which featured um, was a 23 year old Bangladeshi garment factory uh, worker. And, you know, the workers, her plea um, at the end um, really hit true to me um, where she said, I don't want anyone wearing anything that is produced with our blood. And I think that's, you know, it's quite a chilling statement and it really hit home as to really how, you know, subjected so many people in the world are to still really poor or lower uh, standards of living than many people like you or I are subjected to. And I think that's what's going to continue to drive everybody who's in the fashion industry and are passionate about making change and passionate about making a more sustainable, you know, uh, future for the fashion industry and, and a sustainable future for our world. So consumers will continue to demand more action. But ultimately, the change I truly believe has to come from within the supply chain itself. So continuing to educate, to demand transparency, and most importantly, to work with suppliers to make the change possible. That is truly where we must focus. And and certainly in Intertech, we believe that's our job is to continue to bring that supply chain clarity, to continue to help our customers to work on those remediation actions. um, And collaboratively, um, as I've mentioned, we'll hopefully all get there.
0: Thanks. So which products do you see having uh, common issues with social compliance and worker well-being?
1: I mean, in in terms of um you know what what products do we see um you, you know ultimately what i'm saying is well the fashion industry in general but when we look at things like you know uh, the the footwear industry um you know i've talked about obviously cotton um as an example earlier there so so back to the garments etc um even accessories <laughs> we think about topics like um conflict minerals which is something which um you know brings up a whole raft of of concerns linked back to workers well-being basically all of the products within the fashion industry are essentially um linking back to these these issues that we've been talking about today so i truly believe that when it comes to worker well-being and when it comes to the the issues that we've talked around about forced labor discrimination and um Practices around fire safety linking back to, to health and safety topics. Um, all of those products are causing major issues. I give cotton as one example about you know serious issues that we're seeing around forced labor. Um, I pointed out their accessories when I mentioned conflict minerals definitely associated there. Um, footwear, you know a lot of the tannery issues and when we get down to that level, huge environmental impacts. And we could go on. And there's there are so many different issues that are linked to each of those common um, worker well-being problems.
0: Right. Uh, thank you, uh, Catherine, uh, for taking the time to discuss this today.
1: You're welcome, Seth. And it was a pleasure. And um, yeah, I hope to still be here in another 10 years and um, seeing where we are with the fashion industry in addressing many of these topics.
0: Great. And uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Assurance in Action. Um, If you'd like to learn more about this topic, please uh, visit our website as well as the accompanying links. Uh, Also, please uh, give us a follow uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, follow us on social media at uh, InterTech Business Assurance on LinkedIn and on Twitter.